We wonder why we have concave eye sockets and gray-green complexions and out-of-whack bodies and emotions and souls. (laughs) We wonder why we are on edge, irritable. It's because the one who can bring our land back to life is missing in action. From Nat's Numbers, I'm Nat. And this is the Numerology Chick Podcast. Let's decode the superpowers in your chart and in the people around you to create magic, synchronicity, and empowerment in your life. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 33, and I'm going to get right into it. Let's talk about the next layer of this month in numerology. In the last episode, we talked about how April 2018 is a six universal month, and the six is such a juicy divine instinct and force. It's such an incredible gift. The six is the superpower of responsibility that gives us this metaphorical miracle grow to nourish and feed our dreams. We've already talked about how it's imperative that you stay focused on what you want to be committed to, that you stay focused on what is important to you to grow and have bloom in your life. And now it's time to get a little bit deeper into that subject because your little inner philosopher has been coming out lately, hasn't it? (laughs) I think that you might be too smart for your own good. So here's the thing. When we use the divine gift of responsibility properly, when we use the number six in its true mandated way, it's like our path, it becomes that Wizard of Oz technicolor. What we touch blooms right before our eyes, our own beauty, radiance, and wholeness comes alive like a glow bug at night. The problem, though, is that most of us don't ever get to know the true essence and the true supernatural potential of the number six because we, be- we believe a lie. And this lie, it it angers me, it frustrates me, but ultimately it just breaks my heart because this lie about the number six prevents this kind of beauty, growth, and goodness from coming into our lives. Here it is. The lie is that by taking care of other people's gardens, yours will bloom. Or that if other people would just take care of your garden, then finally it will bloom. And you've been wondering about this. You've been debating on this. You've been thinking to yourself, ooh, responsibility? I don't know. I don't know, Nat. If I was responsible to my dreams, and I let other people's expectations and agendas and needs go on the back burner, wouldn't my world crumble? Wouldn't I be selfish? Wouldn't I be neglectful? 
I got an email from a listener. He was a gentleman who said that although he loves this work, he really didn't like this last forecast on the number six. He said he was afraid that it was sending this me-first message out into the world where others could justify unkind, neglectful behavior as they selfishly focus on themselves. Gosh, I understand. I get you. When I talk about the six, I'm very conscious of how touchy of a subject it is. It's touchy because we truly think that if we were to take care of our own garden, we would naturally neglect or deny someone else's. And it's a touchy subject because we equally believe that if our loved ones were to truly take care of their gardens, they would neglect or even poison ours. That's the lie. It's a pretty pervasive one. Most of us are devout believers unconsciously. But here's the thing. When you were born, you were born with the ability to take care of a particular lot of land, a a particular piece of real estate, we could say, your life. Numerology teaches that you were uniquely designed with specific tools, specific inner resources and nutrients that only you can provide to feed this territory. This territory, this land, is your mind, your body, your soul, your life, and you're the only one who has been designed to know how to help it thrive and bloom. If somebody else tries to come onto your land, they don't have the resources or the magic. And no matter how hard they try to help it for you, it's in vain. And this is true of everyone else in your life. Everyone else in your life was born with this same gift. They were born with their own particular piece of land, their own particular piece of real estate that only they were designed to feed Only they were given the tools, the nutrients, the resources that that soil needs to thrive. So what happens? What happens here with the six is that we think that we're using its gift of nourishment, love, compassion, duty, responsibility, We think that we're using it and we get really frustrated (laughs) because we don't see the beauty, the growth, the radiance. We don't see the roses blooming. We don't smell the pollen. We don't see the bumblebees and we wonder what's going on. Well, what's happening is that everyone is living in this lie and we end up running around in other people's gardens, on land where we have no power and no autonomy, no magic, 
And other people are in our garden, on our land, where they have no power, no autonomy, no magic. And we wonder why no flowers are blooming. We wonder why we have concave eye sockets and gray-green complexions and out-of-whack bodies and emotions and souls. (laughs) We wonder why we are on edge, irritable. It's because the one who can bring our land back to life is missing in action. The one who can bring our land back to life is occupied somewhere else. I know the fear is that if you take care of yourself in your own garden, that things will crumble. But I'm here to tell you that that is one of the biggest lies, one of them, that you've ever been told. This same dynamic is what creates those layers of hypocrisy in in families and even in spiritual and religious communities. It's why parents, healers, preachers peddle their virtuous, yes, well-meaning, meddling advice, while behind closed doors, their own lives are crumbling. And it's why, you know, sometimes when people give you advice— even really good advice, it gives you the heebie-jeebies. Because one of the most spooky things is a person trying to help you, attempting to give the gift of the number six, who isn't helping themselves. It's super weird. It's a decaying kind of hollow. (laughs) On a deeper level, this person who's attempting to help, to give, to be generous, behind them you see a dilapidated, neglected, poisoned garden and watershed. The true healers, the true high-functioning sixes, are the ones whose mere presence inspires you. You know who I'm talking about. When you're around them, and you're around their thriving garden, you revel in the wholeness, the health, the beauty of their lives, you get impacted. It's almost like it activates something in you. It activates an energy of healing and wholeness. And your inner intelligence knows exactly how to take that same energy and bring it to your land and your territory. When you get home after hanging out with the high-functioning six, you're oddly inspired to decorate your body, buy the clothes they were wearing, organize your cabinets or your refrigerator like they do, or do whatever they were doing that day. Because there's something magical about witnessing somebody else's thriving garden. And they don't have to step into your land to do it. So there's this really important thing for you to understand. If we each were designed to specifically feed, nourish, 
and love on a particular piece of land. And only us is truly capable of doing that. Imagine what this means. Number one, it means that it is literally impossible to take care of your own garden and not have a natural overflowing of abundance and generosity. When you step back onto your real estate, when you start to take responsibility for yourself, for your desires, things bloom fast and furious. I've seen it. And when things bloom fast and furious, there's this overflowing natural energy of wholeness that segues into a generosity of spirit and love to others. This is why the six is the healer. This is why the six is known as one of the most generous numbers or divine instincts in the numerology sequence, not because it sacrifices. That's the icky, heebie-jeebie, strings-attached, desperate-for-the-return generosity. That's bullshit. No, the six is known as the most generous energy because it knows how to take care of home base first. It knows where it sources its energy from. It knows where true abundance is catalyzed with the host, with you. And it knows that a thriving personal garden, personal ownership, personal responsibility without exception always creates a kind of pure love that guides massive thriving for oneself and for the ecosystem who is willing to jump on board. This is also great news for those of us who are scared about being abandoned. Right? It's great news for those of us who have believed the lie that if other people don't depend on us anymore, if other people were to step into a higher level of thriving and personal capability and personal responsibility that we would be left? No. What happens is that then you have a person who actually has more to give. A person who has authentic, rich, and deep resources. So let me give you a couple of quick hacks for how to neutralize this lie and how to immediately start to see the benefits of the number six come into your life. Because that's really what the point is of all of this anyway, right? The cool thing about the number six is that you get to see things blooming today. You get to see the effects in your physical beauty, you get to see, see the effects in a sense of love and compassion and relief. It's thrilling. So here's the first thing that I've learned from my wonderful sixes in my private practice. The sixes who are just 
they teach me so much about what it means to be the high-functioning healer or caregiver. The first thing to understand is that you have a choice of what you commit to. This is really important because responsibility comes after commitment. Yeah, think about that one. Responsibility comes after commitment. You get to have the choice of what you're committed to, and the sixes have taught me that. I had this family member. We called him my uncle, but he was really my dad's best friend. And his father really wanted him, my uncle, to become an architect, to basically live his unlived life for him. (laughs) And so my uncle wanted to please his father. And so he became an architect. But when we commit ourselves to something because we don't think that we actually have the choice nor the divine mandate to commit to something that's aligned with our soul, there's an emptiness and there's a discord that we can't shake. And in the case of my uncle, he struggled with severe alcoholism his whole life because what he really wanted to do, he wanted to be an environmental scientist and a sailor. He didn't want to be an architect. This is why it's important to know that you have the choice of what you get to commit to. Because the lower function of the six, which we've all experienced, is where you run into somebody who has a stronger level of commitment than you do. They have a stronger sense of right and wrong. It doesn't mean that it's true. But it distracts you. When we don't have an inkling of our personal aligned commitment of what we are most committed to creating in our lives, just by default, we tend to take on the stronger agendas of those people that are in our inner circle, family members. We feel responsible to fill in the gaps in their illness, to fill in the gaps in their limitations. You've got to know what you're committed to. When you know what you're committed to, then your ability to be responsible for it, to care give it, to love it, to come back to that secret garden becomes way easier. (laughs) You don't waver near as much. One of the things that I've learned in my relationship work with clients is that according to our chart, we're all committed to different values. (laughs) This is fascinating to me. When you know that you have a choice of what you get to commit to, of what garden you want to grow, you begin to also realize that other people, other people have their own unique lots of land. You don't have to take it personal. Some people, according to their chart, are committed to freedom, while you might be committed to the solidarity of family. Some people might be committed to deep and dark work. You might be committed to sparkly optimism. 
So when you ask yourself what you're committed to, what you want to be committed to, then you know what you can hold yourself responsible for. And then, as you go out in life and you run into people that have their own agendas, they have their own mindsets, they have their own shoulds that they project outward, you can stand strong and you can say, I I'm committed to fill in the blank. Will you let me know what you're committed to? Share it in the comments below. And I want you to read other people's comments because (laughs) I've worked with married couples. They've been married for 25 years and they didn't realize that all along they were committed to something totally different. We each have our own piece of land. We each have our own species of garden that we're meant to grow. Allow yourself to grow your own garden. Allow yourself to come to terms with it. Allow yourself to be committed to it and then to come back to it regularly. And when you realize that there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with them. Ooh, the shifts start to happen. So here's the one action step that you can take. It's going to sound crazy. (laughs) It's going to sound insane. Oftentimes when we're first activating the six in our life, we don't know how to answer this question. You're like, I don't know what I'm committed to, Nat. I'm still mired in pleasing my spouse, my parents, my child, my boss. This feels far too overwhelming. If that's the case, here's your simple hack. I want you to start with the basics. I want you to start with the basic common sense actions you can take to take care of you. What I mean? Eat good food regularly. Drink water. Move your body. Honestly, I've worked with sixes, people that have a six life path, six expression number, who literally do not do the basics for survival. But when they do, when they start to have that one glass of water in the morning that they let soak into and hydrate their tissues, or they take that five-minute walk at lunch, oh, the results are magnificent. The flowers start blooming right away. They get compliments out of the blue that they haven't gotten in five years. They get insights on where their passion lies or where the breadcrumbs of their bliss have been beckoning them. Start there. Feed yourself good food. Drink a couple extra glasses of water and move your body. That's one of the first, the easiest, and the fastest ways to bring yourself back to your lot of land. 
and to bring yourself back into the place of true power, autonomy, and magic in growing what you need to grow to have a thriving and blissful life. All right, guys, I can't wait to read your comments below of what you are committed to growing in your life. And I can't wait to talk with you next week. As always, please let me know if you like this podcast, how I'm doing and how I can improve. You can go over to Google Play and iTunes to rate and comment on the podcast. And I do have some sessions opening up. So if you want to work with me one-on-one, there will be links in the show notes to do just that. I love to talk with you. 